that they would hear your voice, God, and not mine. God, we thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Okay, it is uh, 1147, so we're going to get y'all out of here in record time. This is going to be like a glorified Christmas speech. Just a Christmas speech. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to with me to the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter. Now understand that there's only a couple places, you know, for Christmas messages that you can go. You know, either it's in Genesis, I mean, excuse me, it's in, um, it's in the first chapter of Matthew or the second chapter of Luke. And we chose the second chapter of Luke this morning. We want to take a look at, uh, beginning at verse number eight. When you say say amen. The Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, verse number eight. And it reads, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone right round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it and wondered in those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all things, these things, and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told unto them. From this passage, we'd like to take for this thought, the gift and the manger. The gift and the manger. Understand that this is the season of gift giving. We give gifts for various reasons. Some of us give gifts with anticipation of receiving a gift back. And understand that's, that's not always a good reason to give a gift. Because if you're expecting payment back from a gift, it's no longer a gift. You simply paid for what the individual gave you. Some of us give gifts because we love people. I love the Christmas season. 
I loved it even more as a child. Oftentimes, I wish I could go back to be a child and get that rock and sock and robots and ColecoVision and all that kind of stuff. I didn't have to worry about anything at that point. Why? Because I was the recipient of the gift. And then I began to live Christmas out through the eyes of my children. I love to see the excitement on their faces when they opened up the gifts. It just did something for me. I loved gift, gift time, Christmas time because it was a time for us to share with one another. It was an opportunity for us to give to people. But when you're talking about gifts, you must consider the recipient of the gift when you're giving it. In other words, that the, the gift must have some type of usefulness. It must be a, a blessing to the person. What good is you giving someone a gift and it has no usefulness? So as I begin to pick out gifts for individuals, I look at the personality of the individual and I give it appropriately. Sometimes I give gifts based upon needs. One of the worst gifts I gave was a pair of snow tires. That didn't go over very well. <laughs> but it was a practical gift in my eyes. The way I seen it, you need some snow tires. You need some to keep you up and keep you you know, stationed when you when you're out there on the snow and the ice. Sound like a good idea at the time. But needless to say, perhaps one of the worst gifts I ever gave. But when we think about gifts, and we think about mangers, there is nothing that connects the two. You see, because a manger is something that is, it's, it's a man-made trough where animals feed in. It's, it, it's, it's usually in a stable, a place where, where, where it's not frequented by a whole lot of folk. Usually in the, in the manger or in the stable, the only ones that went in there were the shepherds. And so we see here this Christmas message of the gift, the ultimate gift that has been given to us is wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The Bible tells us that it was because there was no place for him in the end. There, there, there was no place for Jesus in anyone's home. But I beg to differ. Because if the people really understand who this couple was, that Mary would be birthing the savior of the world, the greatest human being to ever lived, they would have gave them their room. Understand, understand that a lot of us really don't understand the magnitude of the gift that Christ came to bring us. It had been prophesied time and time again of the coming of this gift. It had been prophesied by Isaiah some 750 years prior to Christ being born. Isaiah was considered to be the eagle-eyed prophet because of, he was able to see so far into the future. And he told us that there would be a virgin 
that would conceive and bring forth a child. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Listen, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Now understand that those are all blessings in our lives. Because I'm so glad that Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Because all of us need counseling from time to time. In the midst of our storm, we need to know that God is a wonderful counselor. And then he celebrates him for being a mighty God. I, I wouldn't serve a God that couldn't do everything that I stood in need of. One that could not protect me, could not keep me, could not provide for me. All of this comes up under the realm of a wonderful counselor and a mighty God. And then he tells us that Jesus' reign is everlasting, that it will not come to an end. Jesus has no beginning. He has no end. He was there from eternity past all the way to eternity future. He is the everlasting father. There's nothing that can stop him from being who he is. And then he tells us that he is the prince of peace. Because Jesus can speak peace into your life even in the midst of your storm. Even in the midst of your circumstance and your situation. When everything is going wrong, Jesus can speak peace into your life. Why? Because he is the prince of peace. But I, but I, but I, but I think that one of the best ones that I like about him is in Isaiah 7 and 4. Isaiah says, he said, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And we shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And church, that's good to know that God is always with us. That he'll never leave us, neither will he ever forsake us. He's always with us. Yes, he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. But he is Emmanuel in my life. That no matter what I come up against, he is with me. And so God sends angels to give the announcement that Jesus is coming into the world. It is a message from heaven. Verse 8, he says that this message came to the lowest of the low. It came to the shepherds. Notice that it did not come to King Herod. It did not come to, to, to uh, Caesar Augustus, who was the Caesar of that time. It did not come to the affluent. It did not come to the religious folk either. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were not there when the message was given. But he gives it to the lowly shepherds. Which leads, which leads me to ask the question, why would he bring it to the shepherds? Well, understand that Jesus defines himself as the good shepherd and the chief shepherd. And so Jesus comes to people who would relate to him as he came into this world. He went to the low, the outcasts, those ones that weren't regarded. These were, these were lower than commoners. And he went to them and gave them the message. The message says, 
And the angel of the Lord came to them and told them, fear not. He said, behold, I bring unto you good tidings or good information or good news of the great joy which shall be unto all people. Now understand, this is a blessing for the entire world. Jesus Christ is available to the entire world. And if you leave here without Jesus, it ain't nobody's fault but yours. Because he is the gift that keeps on giving. That if you will seek him, if you will seek after him, Jesus will save you. But, but, but he came to the people that would respond appropriately to it. I mean, understand, understand. We understood that, that, that when Herod found out that the Christ child was born, he had all kids under the age of two killed. That was his response to it. We see how the religious leaders treated Jesus when he came on the scene. If the message had come to them, it would have never gone abroad. Because they too would have tried to kill Jesus, in which they did do. They sought to kill him. But here we see these simple shepherds. Simple, common people. As a matter of fact, below common. No, 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 no one sent their kids to school to be shepherds in that day. As a matter of fact, being a shepherd didn't require an education. Being a shepherd was a dirty job. And here we find these shepherds, the Bible said that they are abiding in the field, which means that they're living there. Shepherding at this time was a 24-7 job. That's what they did. And you know that shepherding is dirty because it's filled with sheep. And most of the day, sheep do, they spend grazing and eating grass. And if you're eating and grazing, need I say more? In other words, it's a smelly situation. And there are times that sheep, that, that shepherds smell like sheep. But they keep doing what they're doing because they understand the importance of providing, of protecting the sheep. Shepherds will lay down their lives for the sheep. And therefore, they spend their entire time living with the sheep. And any shepherd that don't smell like sheep is not a real shepherd. Any shepherd that will not get down in the mix in the muck with the sheep and help them is not a real good shepherd. Shepherd requires that. These shepherds are doing what they're supposed to do. And this message comes to them. And look what their response is. Their response is that in haste, they went to see what they were told. Now understand that in haste means that they didn't stop to try and clean themselves up. They didn't try to get themselves together. So what does that tell us? That if we're going to come to Jesus, you can't get yourself together. You cannot clean yourself up. You must come as stinky as you are and let the Lord clean you up. Just come as you are. And that, that, that's why I have a problem with, 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 with folks that want to give people a hard time because they come in here smelling like weed. Now, understand, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a Jamal Bryant guy at, by no means. 
But it's only God that can take away that. God has to do that. Because listen here, all of us came in here smelling like something. All of us had some stench on us from the world we brought into the church with us. And it was only by the hand of God that any of us were made clean, any of us were made whole. It's because of Jesus, not because of me. They came in haste. They try and clean themselves up. And they came and they seen what the angels had told them. The shepherds went to see what was said on the He said, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. This tool that was used to feed animals. We see our Lord and Savior laying in there. The Bible further tells us that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Luke, being a physician, is the one that mentions the swaddling clothes. And he uses that because the swaddling clothes, the swaddling is actually a medical term. And these were strips of cloth that was used for bandages. With this depicted that, 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 that Jesus would really have a, a, a life of suffering. Because anytime you're injured, you put a band-aid on it. This was the indication of the suffering that Jesus would receive going forward. Jesus, Jesus started off meager. Started off humble. He started, he started not, not a whole lot of notoriety. But he was powerful because he attracted these shepherds, these folk that were outcasts, these ones that he knew would seek after him. The problem is right now is that a lot of folk don't want to be shepherds. They don't even want to be sheep. Because sheep know how to follow the shepherd. Sheep understand that they can't do it on their own, that they must follow the shepherd. And ultimately, Jesus is the good and the great shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. And he is the demonstration. He is how we are to conduct our lives. He is how we are to live our lives, is mimicking the shepherd. Far too often we look at men. We want to give men credit. Don't give me no credit. Give it unto God. God is the one that does it. Because when I heard the good news, I was like these shepherds. I came in haste. I realized that I was messed up, jacked up, and needed somebody who could fix me up and prop me up. Couldn't do it on my own. But here he said that they came and seen Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Very, 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 very perplexing situation here. Here it is, the savior of the world is lying in something that feeds animals. Understand, understand that Jesus said that I am the bread of life. We're often told that we are to consume Jesus. In other words, we need, we need to eat as much of Jesus as we can that we might be like him. For what we consume is what we are. 
That's the only real analogy between this gift and the manger is that we come to feed off of him. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by him. None of us have that opportunity. Not only did they come, these shepherds come to see what was said, but they also went to see or, or, or to tell or to deliver what they had seen. In other words, this was an opportunity for evangelism. Did you get that? They didn't just come to see the shepherd or see, see, see the Christ. They came that they might be a witness. They left out of there telling everybody that they seen that there was a, a Christ that was born this day in Bethlehem. In much of the same way, what, what, what are you telling folk when you come into the presence of Jesus Christ? How, how many people have you shared with of the, uh, of the blessing of, of Jesus Christ and the Savior of the world? Will you take this time and this opportunity to really tell people that Christ died for the sins of the world? That he was born a virgin birth? That he was lying in a manger, but he didn't stay there? He got up and was busy about his father's work. And these shepherds, even before Jesus was, was still just a babe, were telling them about the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? Because there's great joy in doing so. There's joy in knowing that we have a savior. Because all of us were in a hopeless situation and a circumstance. All of us were born into sin. Jesus Christ is the only one that was not born into sin. All of us were born into sin. All of us need a, a savior. And God sent him in the form of his son. Yes, he is. This is the ultimate gift. But he's lying in a manger. But understand, like I said, he didn't stay in the manger. In other words, you need to take Jesus out the manger. And you need to take him to this world. You need to share with them the blessings of Christmas. And not just Christmas, but every day. Because Jesus came to give us a gift beyond Christmas. As a matter of fact, Jesus gives you a gift every morning that you wake up in the morning. You have the gift of life. But not only does he give you the gift of life, but he gives you the gift of abundance life. Everything that God has provided for you, it comes because of the gift of God. Because of God's love for you. But here's the shouting moment. Because not only did he give you life, an abundant life, but he gives you the gift of eternal life. If you will put your faith, if you will put your trust in him, he gives you a Eternal life. That means that we'll never die. And the only way that he could do it is because he had to pay an awesome price in order to do it. This is the ultimate gift that keeps on giving. Why? Because he gave his life for you and for me. When it should have been us dead. When it should have been us crucified to that cross. Jesus took our place on the cross. He gave his life for us. Yes, they did. They took him and they marched him up Golgotha's hill. Nailed him to a tree. Nailed him in his hands and in his feet. 
pierced him in his side, put a crown of thorns on his head. They mocked him. They talked about him. But he never said a mumbling word. And when he did open his mouth, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The record declared that he gave up the ghost. He said, Father, to thy hands I commend my spirit. Hung his head in the locks of his shoulder, and he died one Friday. He gave his life one Friday. Good Friday. They took him down off the cross, put him in a bald man's tomb. He stayed there all day Friday, all Saturday. But the record declared that on the third day, he rolled with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. And I was so glad that Jesus gave his life for me, that he sacrificed his life for me, that he gave up everything for me. And so therefore, Jesus, I give the gift of life back to you. I give you my life. I give you my soul. I give you my service. I give you my commitment. Because of all that you've done for me, all that you brought me from, I sacrifice unto you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we know that you're coming back again for a church without spot or wrinkle. And I want to be ready. I want to be found worthy working in his vineyards because he's coming back for that church. We have a responsibility to take Jesus out of the manger and take him to this dying world. All of us have a responsibility, those that are in Christ Jesus, to take this gospel to a dying world. Stop being so uppity. Let them know that there, yes, I was once there. I was once lost in my sin. And if it had not been for the goodness of Jesus Christ, and it had not been for what God has done in my life, Look at me, I'm a demonstration of the goodness of Jesus Christ. That's the only reason why I'm here this morning, is because Jesus did something in my life. I made a wretch of my life. Oh, wretched man am I, but Jesus, <laughs> but Jesus, but for the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Amen. Amen. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. Come and receive the gift. Everybody loves a gift.